This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I just love the Lord. He's so awesome. You know, the older you get in the Lord, the more you know Him, the more you want to be like Him, the more you want to listen to Him, and just be led by Him. You know, every single day and every single thing that you do, we want to be tuned into the Lord. Not my will, but Thy will be done. You know, that's what, that's what our attitude needs to be. We need to walk in life hand in hand with Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't need to be ahead of Him. That's a bad place to be. Don't be to, need to be behind Him. That's, that's better to be behind than ahead. But we want to walk hand in hand with Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I want to show you a couple of books uh, tonight. I'm so excited about this message, I just got to get to it. But I want to show you some books. We show this book all the time, but I'll tell you what. If you have never read The Triumphant Church by Kenneth Hagin, you ought to do yourself a favor. This is one of the best books. This one and The Believer's Authority. I'm telling you what, it's just going to tell you who you are in Christ, the authority that you have. The devil's not going to run over you anymore. I mean, it's just an awesome book. Says here, dominion over all the powers of darkness. That's what this book's about. So I love this book. And then, uh, then his, the believer's authority, man alive. I used to be a little Methodist girl. Well, I was a Baptist girl. Then I was a Methodist girl. Then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost while attending a Methodist church back in the charismatic renewal in the seventies. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, man, I love God. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've been reading the Bible my entire life. And um, all of a sudden, I understood it. You know, when I was in high school, I read a chapter a night. Didn't understand any of it, you know, but I did it. You know, it was like a ritual. You know what I mean? You know, unless you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, a lot of times what you do in your Christian walk is kind of like a ritual. You come to church because it's the thing to do. You know, you do this because it's the thing to do. You do that because it's the thing to do. I read my Bible every night because I thought I was supposed to. I'm glad I did. I mean, you know. Read through the Bible, I don't know how many times I was in high school because I read a chapter a night. Whoopee. You know, but then when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost back in 1976, some of you weren't even born then, then all of a sudden I understood the Word of God. And man, you know, like you guys, you just get so hungry for it. You just can't get enough of it. So anyway, and then I found out about the Believer's Authority. Oh, my gosh. This book, that book will set you free, too. And this is the book that we had to track down. Uh to go along with Pastor's theme of prayer this year, processing the plan of God through prayer. You know, God's got a plan, but it's never going to come up to pass unless you process it through the plan of God. You know, the, the Lord showed a pastor one time that, that uh, you know, when you're, when you're praying, it's like you're laying out track, like a railroad track. Some of you work at the railroad, so you get the picture. You know, when you're praying, you're laying out track. And then... Then the, the, think of the, think of a train, you know, as whatever it is, your life, whatever. It can run on that track because you've laid the track out before you. Another cool thing to do is, uh, just, just spend a few minutes a day praying for your children in tongues, you know. Man, you get all these little folks and teenagers and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you, if you start praying in the spirit for them, it doesn't have to be a long time, you know. You know, five, six minutes a day, give or take. I mean, man alive, you're, you're, shoo-wee. 
Good stuff. Amen. Well, let me open up with prayer, and then we're going to get into the Word tonight. And this is this is really rich. So I hope you've got your, I hope you're awake. Number one, are you awake? Everybody's awake. Okay, you're awake. And I really want you to receive what the Holy Ghost says, because He spoke a word to me, a one-liner to me the other day, and I'm thinking, oh, it's powerful. Sometimes, you know, we're down here on Earth, and we see through us things through our earthly vessels, you know, our earthly way we look at stuff. But God the Father sees stuff from a whole different realm. And sometimes when he speaks a one-liner to you, my gosh, it's just like, whoa, that's what God sees. We haven't seen it, but that's what God sees, and we need to see what God sees. So I'm going to reveal that to you in a minute. Let's just open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. Father, I just declare in the name of Jesus that you're giving us understanding tonight what the Holy Ghost has to say to us. I thank you, Father God, that you're changing any stinking thinking that we may have. I thank you, Father God, that you're just helping us, Lord, to be more like you, to be more obedient to you, to live our lives the way you want us to live our lives, and just to be victorious Christians. And, Father, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, well, let's let's look at our our uh, scripture for the year. It's Isaiah 56, verse seven. You know, we need to memorize this thing. I'm talking to myself too. Isaiah 56, verse seven. I'm in the New King James tonight. Isaiah 56, verse seven, New King James. I turn my page. Says this. Even them. I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Amen. You know, and I and the, and the Lord showed me this a while back. You know why we're joyful in his house of prayer? Because he answers our prayers. And we become so joyful when he answers our prayers that it's just wow. It's wow. You know, if you're not getting any prayers answered, maybe you're not praying. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because sometimes it does take a while for prayers to come about. You know, sometimes it takes a process, especially if you're praying for somebody else. They have their own will, you know, and so, you know, you're dealing with somebody else's will. But, man, when the Lord does stuff, and, and, you know, because we have warfare prayer on Tuesday mornings, we see stuff all the time coming about and we usually see it in the news you know it'll come about in the news and we get so tanked up and so excited because it's stuff we never thought was going to happen you know but because we prayed it came about so my title tonight is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal the weapons of our warfare are not carnal so i'm going to give you a verse for that look at second corinthians 10 4 Amen. Second Corinthians ten four. Says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So carnal means natural. So the weapons of our warfare are not natural, but the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. They're not natural. In other words, you can't walk up to the devil and hit him over the head with a baseball bat, you know. 
I mean, stuff like that. So that, that's what that's what this means by the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't shoot the devil. You know, you can't aim a tank at him or a ballistic missile or any of the above. You know, it just doesn't work that way. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. So that's what we need to know. So this is what the Lord spoke to me in my kitchen the other day. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to back up a minute. I'm going to tell you another time the Lord just told me something that stayed with me forever. Back in Indiana, we had healing school. On Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock for seven and a half years, every week, week in and week out. Pastor's talking about doing that again, but we'll see what the Holy Ghost wants him to do about that. But, so I was teaching healing school one day and I was getting ready for it. And the Holy Ghost said this to me. This one-liner, he said, my kids are lying about me, and I don't like it. God Almighty said that about his children. My kids are lying about me, and I don't like it. And I said, wow, Lord, how are they lying about you? He said, they're saying that I'm the one that's making them sick. You know, if any of you know denominational people, you've heard this a million times. He said, my kids are lying about me. They're saying that I am the one that is making them sick, and I don't like it. Why? Because he's the healer, right? So anyway, I just wanted to share that one-liner with you. It has nothing to do with tonight, just the fact that I thought that was pretty cool. So this is what he spoke to me in the kitchen the other day. Mind you, I am minding my own business in my kitchen doing the dishes and cleaning up, okay? And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said to me, Battles can be won without firing a shot through prayer. I'm going to say that again. And right away I thought of military. Listen to this. I'll put the word military in. Military battles can be won without firing a shot through prayer. That's profound. That's God's viewpoint. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing word. Get a picture of war. Think of war. You got a war picture? Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Desert Storm. Think of a war. You got a picture of a war? Get that in your head? Battles can be won without firing a shot. Through prayer. So, some of my, you know, Pastor Dave talks about, you know, my family came over on the Mayflower and blah, blah, blah. And I really liked it. I was so happy about that. You know, it's kind of fun to know your, your background. Family came over on the Mayflower because of religious freedom and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I remember I came to California and I was talking to a Navajo about that. That'll sink in in a minute. They were here before we came. (laughs) You know what I mean? She says this to me. She said, oh, you were one of the first wetbacks, she said to me. (laughs) Put me in my place. I thought, you are right. You know, they were here first. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, so found out that some of my, my relatives fought in the Revolutionary War. The Revolutionary War was when we were trying to get freedom from England, okay, And then I began to think about the Civil War. My ancestors fought for the North to free people from the bondage of slavery. 
And I am still fighting to free people from the bondage of slavery, only it's a different kind of slavery. It's spiritual slavery. People that the devil has captive. So I pondered about what the Lord had said to me in my kitchen about battles being won without firing a shot through prayer. In the Civil War, we lost 620,000 people on both the North and the South. That's more than than has ever been lost in any battle. Of course, they fought stupid. They would, you know, military marine over here. You know about the Civil War, right? They lined up in a row. I mean, they didn't get behind a rock or anything, okay? They're just lining up, and they walk towards each other, and they fire. And, of course, you know, duh. And then that row gets wiped out, and then they get the next row in back of them. And so then they walk some more, and then they fire a shot, and then that got, you know. You know what I mean? It was a stupid way to fight, just dumb. But, okay, so I was thought about the Civil War. I thought, wow, if those battles could have been fought in prayer, and not the way that they were fought, 620,000 Americans could have been saved. Okay, now think about that. And then I think about King uh, Kim Jong-un. You know who he is? President of North Korea. And what an evil man he has been. He killed his own brother. He kills his own people and blah, blah, blah. Real nutty guy. But then I think about South Korea. The South Korean... Christians are probably the most powerful praying nation in the entire world, far surpass America. They pray for hours and hours and hours and hours. They have all-night prayer meetings. We say all-night prayer meetings and you think, I'm in bed by 9 or 10, I can't stay up around them, you know know what I mean? (laughs) I'm, I'm talking to myself here too. They have prayer mountain where they go up into the mountain and they pray. So you've got South Korean Christians praying. So do you think that at any time during the South Koreans' prayers that they have prayed for Kim Jong-un? you think they've ever prayed for that man? I'd say he's probably bathed in prayer. Now I'm talking about spiritual possibilities here. So, flip your screen. You know who Mike Pompeo is? Okay, Mike Pompeo is a born-again Christian. He's a man that President Trump put in place instead of Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State of the United States. Mike Pompeo is a born-again Christian. Before President Trump even announced that he was going to select Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State, he sends him to North Korea to talk to Kim Jong-un. Mike Pompeo is a born-again Christian. President Trump sends him to North Korea to talk to this other guy, President of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, who's been a foul, evil man. Now, I'm just going to place this thought in front of you for a minute. Would it be amazing and such a God thing If because of the prayers of the South Koreans that Pompeo is sent to North Korea and leads Kim Jong-un to the Lord. Think about that. I'm talking about God's viewpoint. With God, all things are possible. I'm thinking about that. Would that be a battle won without firing a shot through prayer? Whoa. 
I saw on Facebook today, and, you know, it may or may not be true. I didn't have time to search it out. said that North Korea is opening its doors to Christianity. Well, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Wow. I don't know if it's true or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's true. Okay, then I thought about the Civil War again. You know, I'm pondering all this that the Lord showed me. I'm just pondering it, pondering it, and I'm thinking. And I think about the Civil War again, and I think about Americans killing Americans. What a horrible thought. Look up Matthew 12:25. Matthew 12:25 says this But it, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand So that's what happened during the civil war right the nation was divided against itself. Actually, America's divided right now. You just don't know it because we're not out really, you know, shooting one another down. But we have to be smart to know that there are instigators out there trying hard to divide our nation. Because even though they may not know that Jesus said a nation divided against itself, the devil knows it. And the devil will use people to try to get riled up, you know. But Jesus said to my heart, battles can be won without firing a shot through prayer. Now, a couple weeks ago, we had this incident out at the Walmart. Pastor Bouchon is a black pastor in town. That young man was his what? His nephew? Is that right? Was his nephew. And, I mean, the town went to prayer. The believers went to prayer. We had a Barstow Christian Ministerial Association meeting here that day. And the Barstow Christian Ministerial Association, which is supposed to be made up of pastors, prayed about this situation. We're praying. You know, people are praying Satan, you're not going to cause riots and all kinds of junk in the street. You can, you can protest peacefully, peacefully, but we're not going to have all these riots and junk like you see on the news. This is our town. We take authority over our town. And if, if, if you went to the National Day of Prayer, did anybody go to the National Day of Prayer this year? That was awesome. Pastor Bouchon got up, and he prayed for the President of the United States, and he did a great job. He did a great job praying for the president. I don't know his political views. You know, he could be one or the other. But I thought he did a great job. And he prayed for the police department. And I think Barstow has an awesome police department. I've had to call them a bunch of times. And they're there in two minutes. They show up. You know, they're really, really good. But I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, if we let if we let the justice system have its way, because there were people there, that witness this, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then justice will prevail. But 
We have to pray in our nation for justice to prevail. Because if you listen to the news at all, which I try not to a lot anymore because it's just extremely upsetting. But if you listen, to news, you'll see that there's kind of justice for this group of people, but not for that group of people. But we want justice for all, you know, justice for all clear across the board. I don't care who you are. You do bad. You're going to jail. <laughs> now, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care what position you held or do hold, hold or none of the above. If you're if you're uh, doing bad stuff, you need to. You know, go through the court system, not pay your way out of it, and pay the price, whatever the price may be. So that was all for free. So bottom line is we don't want our nation divided. So we need to be smart as Christians to see that when this division stuff starts to rise up, we, we have the authority of the believer. Remember I showed you that? But we have the authority of the believer. We say, no, Satan, in the name of Jesus you are not going to divide our nation. You're not going to cause all this turmoil. We need to take authority over it because we want to live in a quiet and peaceable land with all godliness and honesty. We want the word of God to have free course, right? And that comes about through prayer and taking authority over, over our nation. So I thought about the Civil War again. Here go my thoughts back to the Civil War. I used to study the Civil War. I used to study American history from day one up until the Civil War. I didn't study it much after that. But then when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I thought, I need to stop studying this stuff. Abraham Lincoln was my hero. I need to stop studying this stuff. I need to study the Word of God so that so I don't study it anymore, but I think about it. So, so I thought about the Civil War again. I'm going to ask you this question. During the Civil War, did the people pray? Absolutely. Did the North pray? I have one person answering me. Did the North pray? Did the South pray? Okay, they had fathers, sons, you know, people in in this war. Yes, they prayed. Had the slaves been praying to be set free? Yes. So what was missing? Nobody prayed in the Holy Ghost. Think about it. Nobody prayed in tongues. Nobody. Why? Because it was lost to the body of Christ. Think about that for a minute. So, look at Acts chapter 1. And we're going to talk about when the Holy Ghost fell. And when people started praying in the Holy Ghost, started praying in tongues. So it wasn't that praying in the Spirit was not a, not a thing that God had ordained back in the book of Acts. It's just that it had been buried, lost to the body of Christ. Nobody, nobody prayed in tongues anywhere. Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to be, not Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Look at verse 8 through 15 says this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he, Jesus, was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we're waiting for that day. Now look at chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was 120 of them there, about. It says they were all in one accord in one place. That means they were all in unity. They were all in unity. They weren't arguing about the color of the carpet. You know, they weren't, you know what I'm saying? They weren't arguing about this. They were all in unity and they were praying. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there you got baptism of the Holy Ghost, people praying in tongues. Okay? So what happened? You know, those early believers, they prayed in the Holy Spirit. They prayed in tongues and stuff. You know, and then the the Dark Ages came along. I don't know much about the Dark Ages, but I called up Pastor Dave and I said, give me a history lesson about what happened here. He didn't, he didn't say anything about the Dark Ages either, but there was, there was a Dark Ages. I don't understand that part, but, you know, whatever. Somebody can tell me someday. So this is what Pastor Dave said. Tongues was not really restored to the church until the Azusa Street era. Okay, now where, where, where did Azusa Street take place? Yeah, Los Angeles, California. Where do we live? California. Wow. When we first came here in 2005, I think in 2006, they had the 100-year celebration of Azusa Street. Brother Copeland was here and blah, blah, blah. All kinds of folks were here. And we went to that. And that was the 100-year celebration of Azusa Street when the baptism of the Holy Ghost got restored. Now, this guy named William Parnum in Kansas got a revelation of it in the early 20th century, and he started teaching it even though he had not experienced it himself. He just saw it in the Word. You know, man, that's an awesome thing. See stuff in the Word, right? William Seymour, the black preacher, a black preacher, went to study in Parnham's Bible school. Now, this is pathetic, but they wouldn't let him sit in the classroom because he was black. Now, that's bad. So you know what he did? Did he leave and pout and go down the street? No, he sat outside the doorway, sat in the hallway, and he listened, and he learned. And then he, uh, William Seymour, moved to L.A., where he took over a church. They kicked him out after one service because his first sermon was on tongues, even though he hadn't experienced it yet. So, you know, get the picture, okay? So within a few weeks, he finally received the baptism in the Holy Ghost at his house, And pretty much the Azusa Street Revival started from there with a black man. 
He used to preach with a with a, a paper sack over his head. You know why he did that? Because he thought of himself, I'm a nobody, but God is everything, and I don't want you to know who I am or recognize who I am. I'm a nobody, but God is everything. So he preached with that sack over his head. So he got the baptism in the Holy Ghost because he saw it in the Word. And Pastor Dave said, I believe that tongues was lost prime, probably mainly due to the Catholic Church taking over back in the day since most of the people didn't have a Bible in their own language and they just had to take the priest's word on everything and everything was lost. To all you Catholic folks out there. So then the, then the Pentecostal movement began at Azusa Street. So, um, assemblies of God came out of that. Pentecostal church came out of that. I mean, all kinds of stuff happened because of that. And the restoration of the baptism and the Holy Ghost praying in tongues was restored to the body of Christ. Did they have that during the Civil War? They didn't have that. They couldn't have, they could, they prayed. But when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're praying out mysteries and secrets and stuff. We can only pray so long in English because it's only what we think, you know, needs to be prayed. I was talking to one of my sons the other day, and I said, uh, one of my sons is going through some stuff. I said, you need to pray for your brother. And this, I have two sons that aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost. And one says, well, I don't know what to pray for him. And I said, Exactly. I said, you need to pray in the Spirit for him. And he says, well, I don't do that. Because he doesn't believe in it. Because his father didn't believe in it. And I said, you should. He doesn't know how to pray for his brother. Duh. That's why we get baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's why we speak in other tongues. Because the Spirit knows what needs to be prayed into existence. Our natural heads don't know. Because this particular brother, son of mine, has no clue what's going on with his brother. But his brother needs a lot of prayer. But he doesn't know what to pray. And I said, well, tough. He tried to get, what's, you know what's wrong with, with him? I said, yeah, I know what's wrong with him. Well, is it this? Is it this? And I said, you're fishing and I ain't telling you. <laughs> so that's another story for another day. But bottom line is he doesn't know how to pray for his brother because he doesn't pray in the Holy Ghost. A whole bunch of us pray in the Holy Ghost in this place. And if you don't, it is readily available to you. Amen. Hallelujah. So would it have, would, why would it have been so valuable if Americans, uh, before the Civil War had prayed in tongues? Could that whole thing have been averted? Okay, now you got another problem here. So, so, that wasn't available to the people then. It was available, but nobody knew about it. Okay, praying in tongues back during the day. So we have the problem of they didn't know about it. They couldn't pray in the Holy Ghost. They didn't know anything about it. Problem number two. You have people nowadays that are baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they aren't praying. That's a heavy revy, isn't it? So whose fault's that? Is that God's fault? That's our fault. 
That's our fault. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks out mysteries. So think about this as the North Korean, the South Koreans are praying for the North Korean president and they're tongue talkers, by the way. Those South Koreans are baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're tongue talkers and they're hitting it in tongues night and day and 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 night and day. A lot of it going towards that guy. They're praying out secrets in that man's life. They're bringing down strongholds in that man's life. Why has he been, well, besides Satan, why has he been so mean? You know, why is he, why is he killing, why is he, you know, da-da-da-da. They're praying out these things that we don't know the answer to. We don't know, we don't know what makes that guy tick other than the devil. You understand what I'm saying? But, by praying in the spirit, we're praying out mysteries. You know, a lot of times we're in, we're in, when we're in praying in warfare prayer, we start praying in the Holy Ghost, and a lot of times we'll pray for America, you know, stuff like that. And I always get this picture. I always get this picture of smoke just starting out, going across our land, you know, just kind of waving in and out, going in and out of houses. Have you ever seen smoke? It'll go under a doorway. Have you ever seen smoke do stuff? It, it crawls and it creeps everywhere. But I see the Holy Ghost smoke, and it just starts going through our nation, going through the courthouses, going through the White House, going through the Senate, and the, going in people's houses, and going in all these states, just going, 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 going. But I don't see that little picture unless I stop and pray about the Holy Ghost in our nation, and then I'll start seeing that. And I see it all the time, you know. It's just something that the Holy Ghost gives me, and I think, man, that's so cool. Because when we unleash the power of the Holy Ghost... He's gone, man. He's just, whoa. He's just, he's everywhere. And as we're praying, as we're praying, then, then when the Holy Ghost goes into all these areas, praying out mysteries, praying out secrets, praying out all this stuff in these politicians' lives, you know, getting the wrong ones out, getting the right ones in, you know, stuff like that, convicting people of their sins, just doing what the Holy Ghost does, you know, just all over the place. But that doesn't happen. Unless we pray. Nothing happens unless we pray. Look at James 4 2. I want to read you this again. Battles can be won without firing a shot through prayer. That's God's viewpoint once again. We think about that statement and we think, oh, how could that be? You know, we think about the military, we think about the Marines, the Army, and all these folks, you know, they're trained for battle, which is good, I'm glad they are, (laughs) because we're not praying. We're equipped, but we're not doing it. Correct. James 4.2 says this, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Then it goes on. Well, yeah, that's just good enough. Verse 2, like there. 
You, you do not have because you do not ask. You know, you wonder why everything's in such a mess. It's because you're not praying. I mean, duh. You know, it falls in our lap. You know, people don't like to be made feel guilty, but, hey, when it's our fault, it's our fault. We need to fess up because we're not doing something, you know. The Lord said this to me this morning. He said, God's people won't pick up their weapon. God's people won't pick up their weapon. They won't pick up prayer. They refuse to do it. We're the army of God. You know, he's equipped us with a whole bunch of stuff. Prayer is just one of them. But if we never pick, I almost brought a rifle today. I got one. I almost brought it, and I thought I'd freak you all out, and the security team would wrestle me down to the ground. But, but I almost did. Just as a picture, to have a, a rifle here on the table and pick it up. That's, you know, prayer is our weapon. It's a weapon for us. We pick it up, and we use it, and we can win battles without firing a shot just because we take a subject and we start praying in tongues about it. Isn't that powerful? And then he said this to me, too. He said, we lose by forfeit because we don't show up for the game. Now, all you sports folks, we as believers lose the battles we're supposed to be fighting through prayer because we don't show up for God's game. We're not showing up. Whoa. We're AWOL. You know what AWOL means? Absent without leave. He didn't give us permission to say, well, you know, you're a special case. You know, I know you're born again. You're baptized in the Holy Ghost. You come to church. But, you know, you're a special case. You don't have to pray. You know, you're, you're, you're okay over here. You don't have to pray. Did he ever say that to anybody? No, he didn't say you're a special case and you don't have to pray. What he says was God's people won't pick up their weapon. Pray. They won't pick up that prayer weapon and pray and see things changed in their families, in their city, in their state, in their nation, because we are too daggum lazy to pick up prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Pastor made me over the prayer groups, which is fine. But I remember we had Tuesday morning prayer. And it was just kind of falling through the cracks. And, you know, praying is, it's, it's, it's an effort, okay? It's not hard. You sit in a chair or lay on the floor or something and you just pray in tongues, you know. It's not physically hard to do. <laughs> But it just takes effort to get out of your house, to come to prayer or whatever, and to pray. So I told the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I will take over this, this prayer group, Warfare Prayer. And I, I started it all over again because I didn't like it was the way, way it was going before. And I started all over again. And our other prayer meetings had been uh, scattershot. You know, like if you have a shotgun, it just shoots everywhere. If you have a rifle, you know, you're fine, you're fine have a fine target. But I didn't like this coming to prayer meetings and, you know, somebody prays for Aunt Susie over here and somebody prays for Uncle Tom's toe and then somebody over here prays for, you know, la, 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 la. And I didn't want that kind of a prayer meeting. So 
I said, okay, Lord, we're going to have a, and he showed me how to do this. We're going to pray for one topic every prayer meeting. One topic. Once in a while, we'll hit two. And we tune into the Lord and we say, Lord, what's on your heart today? Holy Ghost, what do you want us to pray about today? And he gives me that one topic. And I come into the group and I say, okay, today the Holy Ghost is going to have us pray for this. And so what do we do? We hit it. And we hit it in tongues. Why? Because we're praying out mysteries. Then sometimes the Lord will show us a little picture of something, like I see the smoke, you know, the Holy Ghost smoke all the time. Sometimes he gives us a scripture. Sometimes he lays it on somebody's heart to pray out something in English. But we hit it. I always say we get down and dirty. We get in the trenches because we're fighting. We're fighting a spiritual warfare through the weapon that God gave us, praying in the Holy Ghost. And how long do we pray? We pray till we're done. Usually it's within the hour. You know, it doesn't take forever. It doesn't take forever. But boy, do we accomplish a bunch of stuff. Well, how do we know? Because we hear it on the news. <laughs> you know, we start hearing it on the news and we think, oh, man, do you see what the Lord did? We had no clue. We're just sitting there praying out mysteries. Do we always feel goosebumps and want to jump around the room? No, we're just sitting there praying in tongues. You understand what I'm saying? You're not coming to get a warm fuzzy. You know what I'm saying? You're just being obedient to come to prayer. And you're praying out these mysteries. We're taking authority over our world that God has given us authority over. And we're praying this stuff out because he's given it to us to pray. You know, sometimes at prayer, warfare prayer, I'll have a, you know, maybe nine people will come. You know, it's on, it's on a Tuesday morning. It's at 930 in the morning. But I've got people that take off work to come to prayer. I guess they're taking their lunch hour or whatever, and they come to prayer. Then they leave and they go back to work. Sometimes I'll only have as many as maybe three people there. But, you know, the more the merrier. You know what I'm saying? Let's look at uh, Romans 8. You know, God will do nothing, say nothing, unless it's birthed in prayer. You can think about um, the Israelites back when they were, they were slaves in Egypt. Remember all that? If you read that, it says, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord to help them. What does that mean, they cried out? What does that mean? They prayed. They started crying out to the Lord. If we're crying out to the Lord, we're praying. The people of Israel started praying. So what did God do? He goes and he finds Moses on the backside of the desert. Hey, Moses, I got a job for you, boy. (laughs) So you get over there and uh, you set these people free. And, you know, I mean, you know, here he is. He's just, who am I? You know, da-da-da-da, the whole deal. You know, so if God chooses you to go set somebody free, you know, hey, you're not going in your own greatness and wisdom and blah, blah, blah. You're going because you are a willing vessel and you are being used by the Most High God and He will show you what to do. Same thing with Gideon's army. Gideon, I love this story about Gideon. He's a little old farm boy, you know, back in the hills. And he says, I am the least of the least. My family is the least. We were born on the other side of the tracks. We're nobodies. Don't you understand, God? We are nobodies. And I am the least in my entire family. And you want me to go fight the Midianites? I think they were Muslims back then too. 
You want me to go fight them? You know, so anyway, he raised, God helps him raise up this army. And then God says, now you got too many people. You need to, you know, he had like 20,000 or something loosely paraphrased. And then God said, no, you, you got too many, too many people. I just need a little bit, a little army here. So the Lord says, you take these guys down to the stream here, down to the river, and watch how they drink. So the ones that stuck their head in the water like dogs, you know, God said, don't pick them. Why? Because they're not being observant of their surroundings. You understand? They're supposed to be warriors, soldiers. The Lord says to Gideon, the, the guys that go to the lake, to the river, whatever it is, and bring the water up to their faces while they're still looking around, those are the alert ones. Out of that group of I think it was 20,000. He got down to 300. little handful compared to 20,000. But you know they won that battle. They won that battle. Isn't that awesome? But God will do nothing. And the people cried out. That's why God picked, you know. When the people cry out, when the people pray, then God does something. You know, if you're happy in your misery, hey, you just sit there and Wallow around in it. And if you want something done about your life, then you start crying out to God and he'll he'll come to your rescue. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, Romans 8. Whoops, I'm not even there yet. Woohoo. Romans 8. Acts Romans. Romans 8. Verse 26 through 28 says this. Likewise... The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. King James says infirmities, but that doesn't mean sicknesses in that translation. It means our inability to get results. So the Holy Spirit helps us with our inabilities to get results. So if we're praying in English all the time, sometimes we're not hitting the target. We are not getting the results. But if we're praying in the Holy Ghost, then the Holy Ghost helps us in our weaknesses or in our inabilities to get results. Why? Because when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, we're praying out mysteries. We're praying out things that we don't know about with our natural mind. Amen. Things that we have no way of knowing in our natural mind. Going on, it says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, right? But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And uh, if you go further in that and look it up, it says inarticulate speech. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we're praying in the Spirit, praying out mysteries, we're praying out God's will. Now, is that powerful or what? Do you want God's will to take place in the earth? 28. And we all know, now listen to this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, you've heard people take that out of context, and they'll say, well, you know, you have to be, you have to thank God if you're in a car wreck. You have to thank God if your kids got killed. You have to thank, you know, that's not what that says. It's not even talking about that junk. 
You know, you have to go back. What is the subject? He's talking about praying in the Spirit. He's not talking about other stuff. But you'll hear people take that one verse. Oh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to. Some, some woman said to me the other day, she didn't come here all the time. She came, she came up to the prayer line. She says, I just know that this sickness that the Lord put on me, um, it's going to, it's working out for God's good, you know. And I'm thinking, I didn't have time to preach her a sermon, you know, so I just prayed for a pattern, you know, bye-bye. That's not what that scripture says. It says prayer. You've got, you got to look, you know, if you know anything about English class, you go back, what's the subject that we're talking about here? What's the subject of the paragraph? The subject of the paragraph is prayer. So if we are doers of this word, if we are praying in the Holy Ghost that the God has given us this gift and we will take up our weapons and we will prayer and we will pray, then all things are going to come around and work out for good. All things are going to work out for good. All things are going to work out for good. Is that cool or what? Amen. However, God's people won't pick up their weapon, God said. And we lose by forfeit because we don't show up for the game. Here at Hyatt Desert, we have two different times that we can show up for prayer. I mean, you can come to the altar and pray whenever you want to. I mean, except during when we're preaching. You know, we don't care for that a whole lot. But, <laughs> but you know, during during when we're worshiping, you know, if you want to come up and pray, pray. You know, that's what this altar's for. You know, we don't have uh, gates and everything over here. I mean, this is, you know, da-da, come up and pray. You know what I'm saying? We have warfare prayer on Tuesday mornings, which I know is hard for some people. There's no child care. And we have Sunday night prayer over there at 5 o'clock, 5 to 5.30. We have different groups that you can even pray in. And I switch the groups up because I don't want people getting bored. Oh, I prayed for this last week, you know, and we switch them up. So um, we make available those prayer meetings. How many people we have in prayer tonight? Maybe, I don't think we had 20. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Fifteen, give or take. How many do we have in service tonight? A whole bunch. So, not putting a guilt trip on you, but where the heck were you during prayer? I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. If God's saying we're not picking up our weapon of prayer, what are you doing? Melinda will be fine if you don't eat donuts in the coffee bar. She'll be fine with that. Melinda comes to prayer. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying, you know, I am trying to make you feel guilty, I guess. I'm just trying to place this thing before you, how valuable and how important it is to God from God's viewpoint. If we can win battles without firing a shot just because Holy Ghost people pray in tongues. And when you're praying in tongues, it's like a machine gun. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a spiritual machine gun. You know, we're just taking out the enemy, you know, but we're doing it through praying in tongues. Uh, look at this one couple last verses here. Leviticus uh, 26, 8 says this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus.
Yeah, prayer takes effort. It just takes you coming. I mean, you know what I mean? It takes you getting out of the house a little bit early. When pastor said we're going to have prayer on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock, and we used to have it at 5.30 in here, I thought, oh, i got to leave early. I'm, I'm just being real with you. Oh, i got to leave a half hour earlier. Oh, my gosh. And it's Sunday, and, you know, I'm taking, I took my nap, you know what I mean, so I could be here. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? It's not about us, our stupid selves. It's about getting off of our, you know, rusty dusties and getting out there and warring. You know, we're all called to the army of God. You know, it's not like the volunteer army. Well, if you want to be a Marine, you go sign up. If you want to be in the army, the Air Force, the Navy, whatever. No, we're all called to the army of God. If you're a born-again believer, you are called to God's army. That means you've got certain stuff you've got to do, you know. So... Throwing a 5 o'clock Sunday night prayer meeting is like a forced march. Austin knows about forced marches. He was a Marine. So is that when they get you up at the middle of the night and they tell you to go hike 20-some-odd miles or run or something? Yeah, and you're sleeping? That's a forced march. We're just saying, come to church, park your little car, sign your kids in, walk over there, Join us in prayer, half hour. It won't kill you. But it might save the life of somebody else. Leviticus 26, verse 8. (laughs) Okay. This verse says, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. I'm talking about corporate prayer. Look at Deuteronomy uh, 32.30. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy 32.30. Don't stop coming to church just because you don't want to come to prayer, okay? <laughs> I, I had to say that. You know, I just felt like somebody said, man, if they're going to make me start coming to prayer, I'm just going to quit coming to church here. Don't stop coming to church just because you you know what I'm saying. 32:30. Trying to find it here. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Anyway, loosely paraphrased, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. A lot of times it says people use that for that scripture with married couples. You know, you can pray by yourself. You can pray with your spouse, you know, and you can, you know, that's 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 even more than multiplication. You know. That's a bunch. So when we're praying corporately together as a body of believers, just think how the demons flee. Whoa. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.